Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us. There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor. This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was. Borden is, is Tim Duncan, but then, yes. you know, James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski. Oh, that's a hot take! I can't wait to rewatch it and to talk to you about that, that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. Adam, on this episode, we're talking about the most recent film that's been made out of our Butterless Popcorn filmography. The 2019-2020 Academy Award winner, I guess 2020, Academy Award winner for Best Picture and numerous other accolades, Parasite. Lead us in. This is one movie that's probably the most recent, but it's also one of the most critically acclaimed films that we've talked about. You already mentioned it coming into the, the intro there, but I mean, a ton of awards right off the bat. So Best Picture obviously being one of them and I'm trying to think off the top of my head how many other best pictures we've actually talked about. Because there's been a few um, that have been close, right? But but have gotten snubbed. Yeah. Yeah. We just actually recently talked about how The Dark Knight got, stubbed, got snubbed. Um, we I think a lot of the films we've discussed have won Oscars and been nominated for best picture, some of them. But I, I think this is our first best picture winner. I think it might be, and it well-deserved. I'm super excited to talk about this one. So it's a foreign film. It's a South Korean film. I think it was a budget of $11 million and it blew, what, way past that, grossing close to $300 million. Is that what it was in the box office worldwide? Yeah, 264 mil worldwide on that budget of 11. So pretty massive. Pretty, uh, pretty job well done, I'd say, for that crew there. But directed by Bong Joon-ho who really was an unknown if you go back a year. Now there's Snowpiercer, which, you know, when we get to the Mount Rushmore, I'm sure we'll get into there when we talk about him. But that's obviously a big piece of his work. But Parasite really got him on the map nationally, uh, or really internationally, sorry, and especially in Hollywood. Parasite stars Bong Joon-ho, frequent collaborator Song Kang-ho, who was also really good in Snowpiercer, and uh, some other actors, including Choi Wook-shik and Park So-dam. And the film has a very unique plot. It follows the members of a, of a poor family who, who connive their way into becoming employed by a wealthy family. And they infiltrate their household, posing as unrelated, highly qualified folks. And what begins as a, as a very easygoing story in the beginning really takes a turn throughout and flips you on your ass puts your mind in a pretzel you could say that's one of your favorite lines and i love it every (laughs) time you say it so released in 2019 parasite was a smashing success we just talked about the box office success parasite became the first south korean film to win the the palme d'or which is the prize for the top film at the canes festival which is where it debuted and then obviously we spoke about about it was about six seven months later parasite won four academy awards for best picture best director for bong joon ho best original screenplay and best international feature 
And this was monumental. It's the first non-English film to ever win Best Picture in the history of the Oscars and the first South Korean film to ever be nominated. And also the second film produced in an Asian country to be nominated for Best Picture, which was behind Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000. So, I mean, we'll talk more about this when we get to the legacy, I'm sure. But, um, you know, I think leading up to the Oscars last year or this year, wow, that was this year. Fuck. Um, it feels like ages ago, though, honestly. I, it, re- it really does. Um, so 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, the World War One drama, was the, f- I would say that was the front runner for Best Picture heading into the Oscars this year. I know it was getting a lot of buzz. You know, war movies sit well with the Academy. Paris, I saw that movie. That movie was very good, but Parasite blew me away when I saw it, and I, I thought it was by far the best movie of the year. And... I, it just didn't. The, the stakes were up against Parasite, just because, as we said, a, uh, an international feature had never won Best Picture before, uh, and at you know the, the Academy and 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 their history. Nineteen Seventeen was the front runner. So when that won, it was it was an incredible moment for the Academy for the for the future of film, and just an incredible moment for for film fans worldwide. And it wasn't just like a, you know a gift to an international film. I mean, this was well-deserved. I mean, it is actually, I'd say, one of the best done films. I don't, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite films, although it's, it's certainly up there, but it's one of the best done films from the entire cast and crew um, from that respect. But what I find really interesting about this one, in a way it unfolds, so you, you mentioned how you know, it's a family that basically infiltrates a rich family to to get work and live their lifestyle. It ends pretty terrifying. I mean, it, it's terrifying. There's there's murder, yeah, and that yeah. that comes out of nowhere. It's it's a it's almost like a black comedy in a way there, or a dark a dark comedy. But I think what I really enjoyed about it is so I've seen this two times now. The second time I watched it, I actually had a lot more fun watching it because you know you know how the end shakes up and the suspense I feel like has almost an added layer to it because you're just waiting for that horrific scene at the birthday party to happen and everything that builds up to it is it, it just piles on scene after scene until it it finally happens and it just it's such a relief when it finally happens in a way but again my jaw always to the floor whenever I see that yeah, I totally agree. So I've seen it now three times, and uh, the first two times I saw it were both in theaters. And the so it's kind of funny. The first time <clears throat> when I saw it, as you just said, my jaw was to the floor by the end. I couldn't believe what I had saw. I remember I left and I texted a few people and I said, "That's that was one of the best movies I've ever seen." And then when I saw it the second time, even though I wasn't as stunned, I, as you said, I had a little more fun watching it, and I, I think I enjoyed it more. And, you know, we always talk about this on the pod. We always note things as we rewatch movies that we that we never noticed before. But the, the way Bong Joon-ho, you know, depicts class discrimination in Korea here, it's just, it's emotional, it's electrifying. And something I really love about this movie is that it has everything you want in a movie. Like it's funny. Like the comedy is really witty and clever. It 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 has thrilling violence and murder, as you said. It has even sexual tension between multiple characters. <laughs> it, it has very, 
it has very timely social themes that are that are so important to the world right now and a stunning stunning finale that again leaves you breathless like it has everything in a movie so it's 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 very close to being perfect. That, I know I've said that a couple of times, but like it is, it has everything you want. Like what more would you want out of this movie? No, it does. I mean, when there's a sex scene in the movie, in the middle of the movie uh, where it had no business, it, it would seem to have a sex scene. I mean, that's a sex scene, right? We can call it a sex scene. I mean, that's. Yeah. There, there technically is no, is no sex per se. There's no intercourse. Yeah. But Outer course. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> What is that? I don't know that one. Yeah, uh, forty old virgin. Well, oh, oh, oh no, yeah, oh was, no, <laughs> yeah. you got me. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Um, but no, yeah, you you said it best. But I, I mean, I don't know about you, but the first time I watched that, I don't think I've ever been so mind fucked in one sitting because there are movies, and we just talked about Dark Knight. We just talked about Christopher Nolan. And his ability to manipulate your mind and always kind of question where you are. But this felt like such a linear plot line that it seemed like your mind is almost tricked saying, okay, I, 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 you know, I'm following, I'm seeing where this is going. And then all of a sudden, this guy murders some chick <laughs> and everything goes to, to shit. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just, the 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 way my jaw dropped to the floor there I, I i can't even describe it towards the end of last year i had the the great privilege of writing a quick review about this movie for literateape.com and just one thing i wrote at the end of it was that parasite transcends the arc of modern cinema and what i meant by that was that you know it's a thrilling blockbuster but at the same time the movie has a very indie feel to it and what I was saying before, how it has everything you want. It's very funny, yet it's incredibly poignant. And I think since it brings all of these elements to the screen, it I mean, it does that so incredibly well. And I think filmmakers down the line are going to explore, you know, bringing multiple genres into one movie and, and having it appeal to a massive variety of audiences. Absolutely. I do want to add as well, you know, we we always talk about the good camera scenes, and we're, we'll get into that in a bit. But the score, which which we always like to bring up, I think this is a good time to oh, do man, it. But so good, it's incredible. I mean, how many times do we say the score is essential to building the suspense in a film? And it's just you, you literally get to the edge of your seat because of because of the score in this film. So um, a shout out there because it's totally. phenomenal. Absolutely. So just a few interesting facts about the making of this movie. So the idea for Parasite was originally supposed to be a play, not a film. Uh, So Bong had been a tutor for the son of a wealthy family in Seoul when he was in his early 20s. And later in his life, he considered turning that experience into a stage production. And it's kind of funny. In an interview with The Atlantic after Parasite was made, he said, quote, I got this feeling that I was infiltrating the private lives of complete strangers. Every week I would go into their house and I thought, how fun would it be if I got all my friends to infiltrate the house one by one? Boom. <laughs> I just thought that was, <laughs> that was, that was pretty hilarious. Um, so then when writing the film, actually, Bong was largely influenced by 
a Korean film made in 1960 called The Housemaid, which is about a married couple who hires a new maid, but then the maid becomes obsessed with killing them. You can you can see where that where that ties in here. There's a little bit of influence, yeah. So quite quite a little bit. And then um just one more thing. So after seeing this for the first time and even the second time, you know, you, the title Parasite um uh, is pretty clear, right? You have the Kims who infiltrate the parks and you think they are the parasite. They are what comes in and just breaks everything up. But Bong had actually said that the title applies to both of them. So not only are the, are the Kims infiltrating the parks, they're creeping into the rich house, but the parks too, because they're parasites in terms of labor. They, they can't wash their own dishes. They can't drive themselves. So they leech off of these poorer people, therefore making both of them parasites. When I read that, I was, I kind of had like a mini mind fuck. I was like, wow. So it goes both ways. Yeah, I mean, but that's just, it's its how our mind is trained. And for Bong to just basically flip our minds upside down in the way that we view the class structure in, in really, I mean, obviously the United States, but also, I mean, multiple countries around the world and really every country, to just flip it on its head is genius. And it's one where it's like, I know. he says that, I was reading that too. It's almost as if he says that, it's like, oh, it's obvious. Like, you know, both of them are parasites. And you, like you said, you have to take a step back, and you're like, "Holy shit, he's right. <laughs> he's got an amazing yeah. point." So, yeah, that that second one about the parks is not as as obvious in the beginning, but it, it does make total sense once you think about it. Absolutely, I do want to add something also on the architectural pieces too of the film. So, oh, I mean, the the park house is a beautiful house, but it stunning, but it lends itself to the camera so well and i think there's a quote um or when bong was talking about it but he's like i'm not i'm not actually an architect you know i'm, I'm trying to design this house so I, sh- I can get some good shots in it but what's interesting is that they referenced the architect who who he's fictional but he lived in the house for a period of time nam gung and you know so that they they like feature the architecture but it's also so carefully crafted and specifically designed in a way where you could really have some powerful camera shots, which, I mean, I know we're just both aching to get into, but it, it's just one of those things where it's it's super well done. And then the on the other side, the Kims, which is so well done because it's a semi-basement, and mm-hmm. it, you can just, again, from the camera's perspective, can see, you know, the the quote-unquote lower-class feel compared to the Parks house, um, it's the juxtaposition is nuts between those two places. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the production design is just another example of the amazing symbolism in, in everything about this film. So in terms of you know the homes they live in, the, the clothes they wear, just everything is so symbolic to who these people are and what their motives are. Well done there. So I got nothing else to add. Adam, anything on your end? No, let's jump into it. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. Adam, we're talking Bong Joon-ho's masterpiece, Parasite. What are some of your favorite scenes in the film? I have a lot here, so you know, stay with me on these. The first one I have is when Mr. Kim is working through the fumigation. 
So the fumigation happens, and it's just flooding the the semi-basement, their place. But he's just flipping boxes, and you can see the determination on, on his face. And I really like that because it, you, you feel, okay, this guy is going to do whatever he can to provide for his family. He is determined. Um, it turns out there's no limits to how far he will go, but... It, it kind of sets the stage for the for the movie there, so I really enjoy that part. Yeah, and you see everyone else around him; they're all coughing, and then he's just sitting there folding the boxes. He's just keep going. Just We're beast fine. mode. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch in it. Yeah. So there's that. The next one I have is when they're at the pizza generation, and that boss is just being a bitch and. The entire family, except for Mr. Kim, but the entire family comes around to surround her. And it's just a really good shot. But it's just, that's the first glimpse into this family working together to scheme their way into wealth and, and power. And so I, um, I think they ultimately pressured her into hiring uh, another part-time worker who's we know as yeah. Kevin. Uh, the next one is is my ultimate winner. It, it's fantastic, but it's everyone getting drunk at the Parks house, so the whole Kim family getting drunk. Very nice. You know, the, the Parks one. are camping. They're talking about what it would be like to have the Parks as in-laws, you know, and how rich and naive and nice the Parks are. And, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, oh, well, if I was rich, you know, I'd be nice too. And, and then the doorbell rings. And I, I, your heart sinks, right? That's it. Yeah. It, That's when the movie flips you on your ass. Yeah. He's like, fuck. And you know it's coming, too. You know, you, you, could, you could sense it, but god damn. I, I love that scene when they're drinking, too. Um, a lot of the, the social themes that Bong is trying to depict in this movie really come to light there. As you just said, like, oh, they're, they're nice and naive. And I think Mr. Kim says, um, you know, oh, they're... They're they're nice and they're rich, or they're rich and they're nice. And then Mrs. Kim is like, no, they're nice because they're rich, mm-hmm. or something something along that line. And it kind of makes you makes you think about that a little more. So I thought that was very clever. Yeah, yeah, that that scene has a ton in there, and it's a short period of time, but it's awesome. And then shortly after that, the housekeeper who was the one that rang the doorbell comes in, and just books it right to the basement. She's trying to open the door to the basement. And then Mrs. Kim helps, um, but she goes straight for her husband. And that's, again, that's another holy fucking shit moment right there. So I love that. Two more. The toilet exploding in the Kim's semi-basement house. And I... At the same time, the camera goes back and forth. So this is kind of like a camera work too, but it's like a, a montage type scene. The housekeeper is also lying on the ground, dying of a concussion and bleeding from her head. And so it kind of goes back and forth between those two, like shit hitting the fan moments, literally. And yeah. uh, the just the, the pain that they're both going through. And then the last one is the birthday party. Just. Yep pure pure craziness but uh <laughs> mania but like i said earlier my my winner is is getting drunk at the park house sure so i i have a, a lot what you have um 
so I'll just go through a few of mine. So I love Kevin's first first visit to the park's home when he it's his first day on the job as the tutor, and he speaks to Mrs. Park. Um, he he meets he meets Dahe and then there's instantly a connection with them and that seems actually really funny too when he grabs her wrist and he feels her pulse. Uh, <laughs> I'll get into that with I'll get into that with best quotes because I have a quote in that scene. Um, and then, but the the big thing I like about that scene is when he's leaving, and then Mrs. Park is like, um, "Oh, we've taken Dasong to so many therapists and none of them work." And then you see his face kind of take a little a little flip here, and he and he and he has this revelation, he has this idea, and you could see it on his face, and that's where it all begins. That's where their whole plot and 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 maniacal plan begins to infiltrate this family so i love i love that scene that really is good. that i mean that's what kickstarts it and and that look i think shows up a couple times because i think it shows up with jessica as well later um and then mr kim's a little more sleazy about it when he tries to get his wife in there <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, okay. she is a sleazeball yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely but no I, yeah. I i feel that i love that look too yeah um my second one here is the montage of them getting the maid out of the house. So bringing Mrs. Kim in, who is the final piece of the puzzle of them infiltrating the parks. Uh, it begins with Kevin finding out that the maid has a very serious peach allergy. And so then I think the score kicks in, which you talked about is such a great score. And it shows them with the scene sprinkling the peach fuzz on the maid's head. And then Mr. Kim goes to the hospital and takes a selfie with her there. And then I love when Mr. Kim is driving Mrs. Kim in, or Mrs. Park in the car. And it's a back and forth with the camera, the different cuts of him telling Mrs. Park what's happening here with the maid. And then it shifts back to their apartment with Kevin teaching Mr. Kim his dad. They're literally rehearsing lines. Oh my God, it's just <laughs> They're all literally script. reading off a sheet of paper, rehearsing lines of what he is supposed to say word for word. I l- absolutely love that. And then finally it ends with Mr. Kim and Mrs. and Mrs. Park arrive home. And because the maid had the, the peach fuzz sprinkled on her, she's coughing horrendously. Throws her piece of paper in the garbage, and Mr. Kim, this fucking sleazeball, comes in with the sauce. Oh my god! And sprays the sauce on the napkin in the garbage that she coughed in to make it seem like it's a bloody napkin. That whole sequence is so good. I love that. And and it, again, it's their final puzzle piece, really. That that sequence, like you said, that's the turning point for me because, you know, the the scam before that is like. Uh, Jessica leaving her panties in the bends, <laughs> and so I love, I love that one, right? Too. And I was really like, good. "All right, I'm still kind of rooting for these guys. Like, they'll do what it takes. I love it." But then I'm like, "No, hell no!" You know, it's it's when they do the peach stuff, and then they do, and then Mr. Kim, that fucker, puts the sauce on the napkin to make it seem like she was coughing up blood. That's that's it's so funny. That's where it's I drew great. the line. I mean, yeah. it's it's funny, but it's not like. So I love that one, and then um, my my third. And the one that I'm actually choosing for the winner, and I won't go too deep into it because you already said it, but I have the entire stretch from when the the Kims are in the Parks house, when the Parks go camping and they're drinking, all the way through the 
outer course scene between Mr. and Mrs. Nice. Park. So like that whole stretch is my is my winner because again, we have them having that deep conversation while they drink and then the maid comes. All hell breaks loose and we we see the hidden door in the basement, which is that's for me like the oh my god, what am I watching mm-hmm. moment. You don't see that coming at all. No. So that stretch and then the 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 outer course scene. I, I don't know why I keep calling it outer course. I think it's so, hilarious that, the, you, that you do. It's the third time now. <laughs> the the sex scene is really, I I, I really like it because it's I don't know. It's really weird and you don't see it coming at all. They're just laying there making sure their son is okay in the backyard, and then Mister Park just starts rubbing Mrs. Park's nipples, and it's like, oh, this is happening. It's so unexpected and bizarre, but it just works. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. I mean, and you feel the pain that the Kim family is feeling just being right. There. And they're laying on, they're listening to this. Yeah, and they're laying that <laughs> listen. They're laying underneath the table. So that's my winner. But a couple more that I really love when Mr. Kim, Jessica, and Kevin actually escape from under the table and they run home in the rain, mm-hmm. and then they find their their home has is just been completely destroyed. Um. There, that that's the first really heartbreaking moment of this movie. There's not. It's not like there's a ton of heartbreaking moments, but but that one is really gut wrenching um, to see that all this shit that they pulled. It's kind of like oh, you fucked up. <laughs> it's hell for nothing. You God damn it. Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's really good symbolism in that scene when they're almost home, and Kevin is standing there and he looks down at his feet. And his feet are essentially being flooded by like a big waterfall uh, on like some steps. And they're all, his sister and his dad are running ahead. And he's just looking there and he takes like a deep breath. And his face just turns so sour. And it's like, oh, he kind of knows what they're about to find. Mm-hmm. So, and then they go home and, and their home is destroyed. So I absolutely love that moment. That's really good. Then he goes right for the stone, the, the wealth stone or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, yeah, that, that his friend gifted him. That is that is so we actually agreed on our first category here. That's that's a great start for us. Well, so I do have two more scenes I want to mention. I had a lot. Hit me really quickly, really quickly. So the birthday party, no need to dive any further to it. That's when every like it's just oh my god, this is nuts. And then I really love the end when. Mr. Kim, we find out, you know, where he is. He's alive. And so he reads his letter, which is amazing because so he's reading. It's his narration. And then Kevin reads his letter. It's his narration. But in in real time in the film, these letters are just being are just being written out in Morse code. It's not. Which is amazing. Yeah. He's and a so scout. I, he knows the, it. The end is just so. It's great. And so the end is so good because, you know, you, there, there is that little second, that little nice moment where, where Kevin's talking about how he's going to buy the house, make a lot of money, and the dad, all you got to do is come upstairs and we're there. But then the final shot of the movie, which I won't, I won't spoil too much of because we have a category, category to get to with that, just shows that, oh, this is just a big fantasy and it will likely never happen. That, that would have been actually... If it didn't end like that, if it ended with them actually in the house happily ever after, I would have been so pissed. And this movie would have been so much worse. 
and the fact that it, it, it wouldn't have been the same no yeah. not not even close so i i really like how it ended i mean it's really it's like not a happy ending but it's a relief as a viewer i think to see that i think so too so that's it for my scenes sorry you said you had a lot and then i think i i i went way ahead of you so. all good I, I mean I'm, I'm just glad we agreed we're one for one right now let's see if we can one for one let's see if we can keep it moving so the second question we have here brett if you were to take one scene make it into a musical uh, emphasis on one scene make it into a musical which one scene would it be so i have and it's a scene i just referenced it uh it's right after kevin's first visit to the park's home so after his first tutoring session with Dahe. And it it's that moment we were just talking about when he leaves and then he has that that look on his face when he knows what he what he needs to do when everything is gonna happen. So he runs home and he's running home in the streets singing, Money, money, we have none of it, but the parks need more help and the Kims will get their wish. And he has this elaborate plan, this big idea, and he's so excited to run home and and tell his family about it. He gets home, he spills the idea to his family, and then Jessica chimes in. Rich folks, rich folks, they are so naive. They'll buy our plan for sure. You just wait and see. So they're they're clearly all on board with this. And then finally, all four of them gather together in their mini apartment, and they're pumped about this. And then they sing, cardboard pizza boxes, good night. Smelly apartment, good night. Bugs in our home, good night. We will take control and prove to be the park's parasite. <laughs> do doom. All right. And then curtain close. Curtain close. You always know how to end them at the right time where it's just like a big bang and then your curtains come down. It's just, man, round of applause. Done. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. That's how you got That's how you got to do it. I have quite a bit to live up to then here because um objectively speaking mine is not as good but i'll give it a shot so oh, yeah. hey hey don't don't short sell yourself here mine is basically it's the birthday party scene um by the way thank you for for doing one scene on your on your musical <laughs> you're on fire well, i kind of i kind of made up a scene but i'll take it sure. um so yeah. mine's like i said the birthday party scene and you know, it starts out, everyone's kind of dancing around, um, you know, everyone's swaying in kind of that semicircle that they, they had planned for the birthday party. And then everyone's singing happy birthday in unison. So it's just like quiet and all you hear is there's no music. It's just people singing happy birthday. But then you see a figure in the distance come out and, you know, during happy birthday, it just has a huge smile on his face. And he's just, he's not even, he's just like Lala, like singing, like not even actually singing any words and dancing around. And he's just going around stabbing people. He's just, oh, he's just oh. dancing around stabbing everyone. <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's a dark musical. I don't, you, you don't really see those much, but um, yeah, he, he's just kind of laughing, dancing, singing around, stabbing people. And uh, then everyone stops singing Happy Birthday and runs away. So it's just. It's a pretty abrupt ending there, but I'd say it's it's quite darker than than what you had. Yeah, that's an understatement. But <laughs> you I like it. You don't know how to respond to the fact that I made a musical of people <laughs> getting stabbed to death. Hey, you know what? I 
I respect it though, because that's <laughs> that's actually what happens in the movie. So you know it. Uh, it's true. I, I I dig it. It kind of reminds me of your musical pick when we did the Dark Knight, because you just had Joker just standing there, just dancing like a like a crazy person. Yep. So uh, not too far off from that. I feel I like. was my own influence in my musical choice. Yeah. I love it. So Adam, musicals aside, um, this movie is quotable. So what are some of your favorites here? I think I got about six here. And so I'll rattle them off. I'm really interested to hear what you had because I, I heard you got some funny ones, but I'll get through mine first. So for sure. The first one is uh, Kevin saying, I don't think of this as forgery or a crime. It mentions I'll go to university <laughs> next year. So it's when he's, well, really, he has Jessica falsify his his college papers and his diploma and, yeah. and, and transcript and whatnot. And so um, I love that. The, the next one is, it's a chimpanzee, isn't it? A self-portrait. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> Kevin completely struck the out. About when Dasog's he's, paintings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> completely struck out. But for some reason, the mom is like digging it. So uh, yeah. I'm sensing some tension there, by the way. But, you know, that's, that's another story. Um, the next one, she may look like a sheep. But inside, she's a fox. She owns the house. Love that one. Talking about the housekeeper. The next one, I, I don't have the exact quote, but it's Mr. Kim saying, you know that driver before me, Yoon? He must have a new job now, right? And he's talking about how he, you know, he hopes and assumes that the guy that he replaced is on his feet doing well. And that's when Jessica comes in and just says, who gives a fuck? Let's worry about us. So that's yeah. pretty powerful. And the next two are very similar, but they're both Mr. Park quotes. The first one I have is, Mr. Kim, you're getting paid extra. And he says something about... Huge. Oh, yeah, man. Think of this that as part of great. your work. Yeah. Like, fuck you, dude. Because Mr. Kim is yeah. actually trying to relate to him and talk to him about how he's a loving father. And they're both just doing things for their families. And Park doesn't see it at all. And he he's just diminishing him down to the parasitic relationship that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but diminishing him down to uh, strictly someone to wash dishes or in this case, drive a car. See on the, for that quote though, on the flip side of that, in that moment, I kind of see where Mr. Park is coming from because, you know, it's not Mr. Kim's place to constantly be like, Oh, you look, do you love your wife? Like (laughs) are things good? Are things good in that area? Let's Mr. grab a, a couple brewskis after like, this party. What do you say? Uh, yeah, exactly. In a way, in a way, Mr. Mr. Park is just like, yo, you're my driver. Like, stick to doing that. I'd pay you well. Like, stay out of my shit. That's a, so in a way, I kind of get that. That's a Bill Belichick do your job type of thing right there, huh? <laughs> Lo- mean, loosen up I, a bit. Okay. Okay. All right. Try to empathize with Mr. Park a little bit here. If you're in his shoes, and your driver was getting all up in your grill about your marriage. Wouldn't you just be like, hey, lay off? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I see that. Um, I, it's a little different knowing that this is seconds before he stabs him. But but yeah, I mean, right. I, that's fair. But that actually does lead into my other one about, you know, Mr. Kim, you know, back off a little bit. So my last one is, but that smell crosses the line. Oh, 
God damn it. And that's, I mean, that sums it all up right there. It's that smell. And then he, he, he goes on further and says, you know, it powers through to the back seat. It's hard to describe, but sometimes you smell it on the subway. Yeah. That's when you want it. You want this guy to die. <laughs> you want something bad to happen. Mr. Park's a prick. But here's the thing. He's not openly being a, a, an asshole. Like he's not purposely being this 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 prick. No. That's just who he is and it shows the differences in who's in who these these humans are. You know what I mean? You could also argue that Kim's not purposely doing it. He's just looking out for his family, doing everything that he does for his family. But, but yeah, right. I, I, I see that. I mean, that's the, that's the, the whole idea of the, the discrepancies in the class system, you know, in South Korea here. So I think that makes sense. Just really painful to hear those words come out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's actually my ultimate winner there is the smell crossing the line, just chilling for me. But what do you, I love it. what do you and have? That, oh, sorry. Um, so I'll get into mine, but I, yeah, I want to say one more thing about the smell. Uh, so he says that quote about the smell, and then it comes up a couple more times with Mrs. Park in the back seat of Mr. Kim driving her. And then finally, and it's, and it's an unbelievable moment at the birthday party in the end, right before Mr. Kim stabs Mr. Park, because Mrs. Kim killed the maid's husband and he's laying there and then mr park like looks at his body and he and he can't take the smell Mm -hmm. and he like puts his puts his finger underneath his nose and he's like oh god and mr kim is watching this and i think you know mr kim was clearly uh, there there was an envy from for mr park most of the film but that is what pushes him over the edge that he's like i want this man to die that part is really tough to watch. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's he's stabbed to intense. death and there's a ton of blood and everything, but that, that smell, that covering of the nose and, uh, you know, his, his Mrs. Park does it as well, you know, in the backseat of the car, yeah. like you were talking. Yeah. It's just that smell that, that stench is the thing that, that sticks with it. And it sticks with, uh, me as the audience too. I just hate, I hate that part so much, but I love it because of it. Hey, that's the thing. I hate it, but you love it. Um, so my quotes, I only have about six or seven here too. Most of them were different. I think they were all different from yours, actually. Um, we are gathered here today to celebrate the reconnection of our phones and this bounteous Wi-Fi. <laughs> Mr. Kim in the beginning. It's pretty funny. An exam is like slashing through the jungle. Lose that momentum and you're finished. <laughs> For some, I knew you were going to take that one. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's a great quote. But I think the what reels me in about that one is is the way he says it because he says it so seriously and it's like a very powerful moment between Kevin and Dahe and he like has her hand. He's feeling her pulse and he's like, "Do this, do this." Is he Batman? Now? I don't. He he's. <laughs> Rachel, where's the trigger? <laughs> but he's, Kevin's essentially like, I don't care what you put down as the answer. I need you to rip through this exam. And so I, he says it in such a serious way. I really dig it's, that that's, I imagine that's when, um, you know, her mom is like, all right, this guy's, this guy's legit. This guy fucks. Like, <laughs> I love him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
I love them. Um, after that, I have, wow, this is so metaphorical. Because Kevin says that a couple times. Wow. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. What if Owen Wilson was in this movie? Wow. Better. Better movie with Owen Wilson. Eh. <laughs> no. Eh. no. Debatable. Debatable. Um, I have, I love this quote from Mr. Park. Does dripping his sperm on my seat turn him on? Oh, man. <laughs> it's with the panties, very, man. Very, dis- <laughs> very descriptive and vulgar, but but I, 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 I like it. Yeah, after the panty scene. Uh, um, honey, this send button is like a missile launcher <laughs> from, the, <laughs> from the maid's husband. When when they have the video yeah. of them and they're threatening them to send it, I love that. That's that's like clever writing mm-hmm. at its best, right there. I and then she line. does the impersonation of of Kim Jong Un. <laughs> oh God! And I don't have yeah. this written down, but then it, but then he's like, he says to her, he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, oh my God, like you do, like like news broadcasters so well, <laughs> yeah. like your impersonations or something. <laughs> that's yeah. really good. Uh, I got two more here, and this one is actually my quote of the movie by Mr. Kim. You know what kind of plan never fails? No plan at all. If you make a plan, life never works out that way. That one, that that one, I, I get all the feels when, when he says that one. He's on the non-plan plan is what you're saying. Uh, like Jennifer Aniston is, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then finally, my my last quote is, "So long." Oh, and it's the final. It's the final. It's, it's yeah. It's the final two words. The final two words of both Mr. Kim's letter to Kevin, and then Kevin's letter to Mr. Kim, his dad. And it's the final line of the movie. So long. Oh, chills. Yeah, just big ultimate time. chills there. But I'm ultimately going with the with with the with the the best kind of plan quote that one that one hits home for me i love it so other than the dialogue we've been aching to get into this category for a while but we have to talk about the camera here give me your best shots in this movie brett all right so i have eight nominees here and i don't think i've ever had that many for this category but the camera work is unbelievable in parasite so i'm just gonna reel them off i have the opening scene when they're searching for the Wi-Fi in their house and specifically the the shot that I'm talking about. And it's a pretty famous, it's a, probably a pretty famous shot because I've seen this on like a lot of posters online about Parasite. It's when Kevin and Jessica are like sitting up by the toilet, like huddled together, like pointing their phones up at the ceiling to try to get the Wi-Fi. It's so symbolic and, and, and picturesque of our generation, how desperate we are to always have internet access. So... Really like that one. And it shows who they are immediately, too, Mm -hmm. who these people are and, you know, what their intentions are. I have um, the scene when the maid is coughing into the garbage before Mr. Park spews the the sauce on it. It's the shot of Mrs. Mrs. Park walking up the stairs when the maid is coughing and she's, like, covering her hand with her mouth. Uh, And it's because it's essentially a shot of the stairs it's a still shot of the stairs and then it's like her and Mr. Kim who had just driven her home walking up and they slowly emerge up. And I think that's really good. And the expression on her face is great. I have, this one's a little underrated. 
I don't think I've ever even noticed this one before, but um, it's the scene when Mrs. Park fires the maid and it's right. It's the second before that. Oh, you already know what I'm going to say. It's a shot of Dasong looking out the window at his mom and he's looking out the window of this interaction and it's a side angle shot of him and we see him and his reflection in the window and he's wearing like a really colorful hat and the sun is beaming beaming on him and I, I don't know it's just a really really fantastic image captured mm, right yes there. it is yeah i i had that that's why i was nodding my head because i have that one in there yeah it's really good um i have this um when the kim's are you know, wreaking havoc at the park's home and the park's on their camping trip when all four of them are in the backyard and Mrs. Kim is doing the hammer throw. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, like if you, if you pause it right there, it's a beautiful shot because it has the beautiful house in the background. The sun is setting. The grass is so smooth and green and it's, it's there. It's, it's the picture perfect life that the Kims have always wanted that they've dreamt of. So I really love that shot. Right that, there. And it talks, you know, the production design that we spoke about is great in that picture. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was just going to say that, that um, the setting that they have of the garden type backyard where the grass is always pristine and so green. Like you said, there's not one itty bitty part of that lawn that's out of place there. And it's just, it's picturesque. It's, it's exactly what, what their lifestyle is. Yeah, it's 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 really great. So a few more here. Um, when the shelf is pushed in the basement and the hidden door emerges. So I actually love it. This one's a moving shot. When Mrs. Kim runs in and she's chasing the maid, she's running down the stairs and the camera is right behind her. And it's almost like she's running through this maze and she's completely lost. I, I love the way that that sequence is done and it's really haunting. So that's really good. I love the, let's see, what did I have next? The, oh, this one's huge. The, the incident that haunts Da Song. So when he's, when uh, Mrs. Park is explaining to Mrs. Kim, why Das like what Da Song's incident was. And it's when he was eating the cake in the middle of the night. And then it's the, the maid's husband was creeping up the steps to get food in the middle of the night, but it's, and it's a quick shot of, of like the top half of his face Holy shit. and his eyes are like, his eyes are like bulging and you only see it for like maybe two seconds. It's very freaky. That's, that's so, the scariest. That's like the, the pure freakiest part of the movie there. Yeah. Like that is legitimately scary. Like people, like little kids, I, a little kid shouldn't see this movie. But if like a if like a thirteen year old saw this movie, they'd probably be thinking about that before they go to sleep. Like it's a scary image. Yeah. So, I have two more, and uh, I'll end with my winner. So my next one is the it's the final shot of the movie actually, which we just talked about. The camera starts up at the ceiling basically and it has the snow outside and then it moves down onto Kevin after he's basically explained this whole fantasy to us. Um, I like that the camera is it's moving so it moves down on him just because it's it's a fantasy. It starts up in his head and then it comes down and takes us back down to reality. So I really like the the symbolism there. But my winner here for shot of the movie is when Kevin goes to the basement during the party with the plans to kill the maid and her husband. 
and he sees the maid's dead body and he's looking and all of a sudden you see this circular rope rise above his head. I remember when I was in the theaters and I saw this and the rest of the theater was like, <gasps> oh, we yeah. gasped. They're like, oh, it shit, look like, out. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, my God. And even watching it again for the third time, I felt the same way during that moment. So that's my shot of the movie. I mean, I can't disagree with any of those you laid out there. I do have some new ones, though, I will add. So please do. First one, I think you mentioned this before. Um, I don't remember, but Kevin walking up to the park's house for the first time. And this one I just love because... Oh, I did not. Okay, you didn't. So this one I really like because it's not like a specific shot, but it's the fact that that whole scene, the camera does a really good job just showing how beautiful that house is. And it it mm-hmm. it takes it in every angle to where, you know, it scans across the room. So it shows the living area. It shows the outside. It shows a great shot of the entire kitchen. And it, it just goes to show you're kind of seeing it through his eyes in a way, too, of like, holy shit, this is the first time we've seen perfection in the movie. So I really like that. The second one I have is... Uh, the scene you were talking about, the camera looking out at the housekeeper and the mom just sitting outside. Um, and the the nonverbal acting is awesome in that, too, because they're just frozen. So Really good. Yeah. You, you, you can tell. And that's good because I, I just want to say for a scene like that, it could be very cheesy or difficult to portray a firing of a figure that's been so much of a part of their lives for such a long time that I feel like this was the only way to really show it to where the audience could feel something. And I, I just thought it was really well done, the fact that it was just silent and very minimal movement. To to interrupt you there for a second, so per your note about how good that silence is, uh, kind of reminds me of the Eduardo Saverin <laughs> moment in The Social Network when he realizes that his stake in Facebook has been dropped down to essentially nothing. <laughs> There's that because because we're looking I, we've talked about this on the pod like we look in that moment and, and we, there's no audio. It's just like him through the glass and all we do is see his body movements. But we but we automatically know what's happening. So kind of similar. I, I thought you were going to go with sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My brother is at the cleaners. <laughs> Along with my fuck you flip flops, you pretension. <laughs> oh man, that is fantastic. But yeah, no, it's a very good comparison there, uh, and I think I think we we pointed that out on on that podcast as well. So good, yes. good, good similarity. The next one I have here, I have two more. So the next one is it's looking through the lens of Jessica's phone. And it's the slow motion of Kevin spraying the water on the drunk pisser. And it's, oh, yeah, it's that's so really good because it has its like own frame and it's slow-mo. It's it's I mean it's kind of cheesy, but it's well done too. I, I I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I like it. And the last one and my shot of the movie, or really moving shot, is the lights are flickering in the flooded apartment so the kim's flooded apartment while at the same time the housekeeper's husband is flickering the lights to try to tell dasong that you know sos i need help and 
the camera goes back and forth between the two flickering lights and shows the trouble at the same time for for both families so that i love i love any time you can bring two storylines together through one camera shot and so that's why it ultimately wins for me that's a great moment i also love in that moment too Dasong sees it from the yard and he kind of knows. Yeah. And then he starts to spell it out and he like doesn't really completely spell it help, but he has like H O L P or something where it's like, oh, he kind of gets it. But he's obviously so young and nothing's gonna happen from it. But that's a great moment. He is he's a scout. That would have been a good trivia question, actually. What what did he write down? Because I mean, I guess we would have gotten it right, but still, it was a good trivia yeah, question. I guess. Yeah. So moving on, Adam. One of my favorite categories here. So as I mean, we said earlier, this movie is so close to being perfect. Yet I have a few farts. This movie is is not is not empty of 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 gas in its body. Uh, It's a little gassy at times. So what what do you have for some movie farts with Parasite? So I didn't find a lot. I had two and I think they're pretty minor, but they're they're interesting nonetheless. So the first one I have is. Dae is 16. Uh, That one kind of bugs me a little bit with um, Kevin. Yeah. It's just. We don't know how old he is, but we can assume he's probably like at least like 23, 24, right? Yeah, or he would be college. His friend is studying abroad as part of true. True. That's actually a good point. But he's at least 18, 19. Yeah, 20. So. Uh, kind of bothers me a little bit, but it's, I mean, it's not a fart. It's intentional in the movie. It's not a mistake. It's just, right. Ugh. Um, yeah. And yeah. then the, the only other, uh, other one I had was Mr. Kim leaving the fucking windows open when he leaves his house. I mean, you gotta uh. have some sense that there's a chance that a monsoon comes <laughs> And floods the shit out of you. I mean, have have a little exercise, a little caution, please. And that one just God. Yeah, damn I it. mean, I mean, that's why I always close the windows when I leave my house too. You know, you never know when a monsoon is just gonna come hit you. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 tough to grasp. So that's it. I mean, that's what I'm going with. It, completely minor, but that was the one where I was kind of pissed off about it. But nice. Yeah. So. I have I have a few. You did not mention any of them. So my first one is, and again, these are very specific. But so they say in the beginning that Kevin took the college exam four times, and so he's clearly very smart. His English is nearly perfect. He spent time in the military, apparently. So why is he not at a university? Is you know clearly they don't they're short of money, but they don't actually say why he's not there. His friend is like, dude, you're, you're, you're way smarter than all these, all these other guys. You took the exam so many times. Yeah. Is he not passing the exam? It's like, he only good at English. I want to know why he's actually not in college. They don't really clarify. He probably only slashed through one part of the exam. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. He, Oh, he took the exam four times. They never passed it. Cause he's just worrying about finishing the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, dude, you got everything wrong. So, (laughs) Did you even read the question? <laughs> so that, that actually our explanation helps with that. So that's one. Another is so uh, when Kev the scene when Kevin and Dahe kiss for the first time, she's she asks him, 
oh, Jessica, you know, you think she's attractive, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin essentially says, listen, if we can compare Jessica to a rose, then you are something. And he, and he writes something down or he draws something and, and he shows her and she blushes and then they kiss. It's a nice moment. I want to know what he wrote or what he drew. That's a good point. Like, what was it? Like, a rose is a great thing. So if he's comparing Jessica to a rose, what could he possibly be comparing Dottie to? Like, I want to know. Every rose has its thorn. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, that was another one. Um, so isn't the maid supposed to be living a living maid, right? So yeah, I think so. I, that's right? what I always thought. So well, so there's a scene when the um, the scene when the Parks come home from the camping trip unexpectedly. Mrs. Park says to Mrs. Kim, "Oh, go like go stay in your room or something." But there's a scene after Mrs. Kim gets the job as the maid. All four of the Kims are having dinner at at their home. So I, that just that that was kind of hmm. kind of choppy for me. If she's a if she's a live-in maid, why would she be at the old apartment eating with them? That is a good point. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe she sometimes. No, I think she lived there full time. I think that's a valid question. I don't know. Right. Yes. Like if she lived there full time, she wouldn't be having dinner with the Kims at their old apartment. True. So that one kind of baffled me a little bit. And then one more I have is, fuck, that that moment when the stomach drops, when when the maid rings the doorbell during the moment when they're all getting drunk. Um, They let her in really quickly and easily. They didn't say, you know, immediately she's just, they're like, who is it? I'm the old maid, blah, blah, blah. I left something in the basement. Can I come in? And they just say yes. They don't say like, oh, can I maybe go get it for you and bring it outside? Like, what is this thing that you're coming to receive? They just let her in. That's a chilling moment. How about you pester her for a little bit? No, yeah. that's that absolutely. And then that really scary, chilling moment when uh mrs kim does ask like what's downstairs what do you need and she's like do you want to come with ha 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 and you're like holy what the oh, fuck god. oh god i all right chills i have chills right now oh my god okay in that moment when you're watching the movie for the first time you think she's there to murder them yeah shit shit some shit is about to happen you don't know what it is but you, yeah oh, it, man shit that's that's a terrifying moment and i should have brought that up in the in the camera shots when she turns her head back to look at Mrs. Kim and she's like, do you want to see? Oh, it's like exorcism level. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That is fucking t- it's terrifying. Um, so yeah, but if I had to choose one fart, I would choose that last one. Just like why pester her a little more. Yeah. I'm with you. So, so uh, a good amount of legitimate farts there. Let's, let's take a gas break. And then when we come back, we'll do some casting calls. <laughs> This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Petcums, the furriest vacuums you could ever ask for. Have you always wanted a furry friend for around the house, but your significant other is either allergic or just isn't on the same page? With Petcums, the only vacuums that look and act like house pets, you can have the joy of a pet that also cleans your floors. You can select your Petcum in any dog or cat breed up to 30 pounds, and they even come with five sets of rechargeable batteries. Get ready to snuggle up on the couch with your new best friend and then have them clean the floors after you've cooked dinner. Go to PetCumes.com and use the hashtag Butterless, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-L-E-S-S, the name of this podcast, 
for your first discounted best friend and cleaning service. Pet Cubes, the best of both worlds. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. We're talking Parasite today. And Brett, we're going to start off our second segment. It's casting calls, and we'll get into trivia a bit later. But let's start off with a category where we're going to have a lot of fun, I think. But it's the biggest asshole. Who do you have? So I think you're going to disagree with me on this. I have Mr. Kim. And uh, hey, the guy is a sleaze. No, ball. I got Kim, too. That guy sucks. Oh, you do! Yeah. Oh, wow! Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna have have Mr. Park based off of our previous. No, conversation. I was on my high horse earlier, but now let's be honest, Mr. Kim is a, a scheming motherfucker, just like you're about to get he's into. A, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a fucking dick. He's a prick. From it's just like yeah, he loves his family, great, but he's a douchebag, and he and he, even when the the Parks hire all the Kims. He's the only one. He's not even very nice or respectful to them. Like he's constantly pestering Mr. Park about his marriage. He's he's getting up in Mrs. Park's face about about I don't know, about the like stuff with the maid. I feel like he could have been nicer in that situation. And at the end of the day, he is so like he is the biggest parasite out of all of four of those of, of the Kims of you know, they're all parasites. Like he just wants to get paid and to live the high life. And like, it's almost like he just doesn't give any fucks about who he upsets, the people who he hurts when in, in terms of getting there. So he's my pick. Yeah, I put a very similar thought process into this one. So, you know, what I put was they're all con artists. They're all parasites, like you said. And he's the only one that doesn't have a, a heart at some point. So Kevin has a heart when he talks about, you know, he apologizes to his dad and he, he feels bad clearly. And he's got a love interest too. So that plays into it. You've got Jessica, but she, you know, eventually is very cold, but then comes around when they're kind of running away from the house and she feels terrible and says like, what now? And she's kind of freaking out. Uh, you know, his wife does too. She kind of feels for the for the maid a little bit. I mean, she does ultimately kind of kill her, but I mean, other than that, <laughs> you know, she's she's got a little bit of a heart. Uh, but yeah, a little but bit. Mr. Kim's a stone cold son of a bitch. Uh, that guy, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he is. He totally just is. does not care. And the worst part is, he's actually proud. At some point, he he mentioned something about. Uh, I think it was they were talking about Jessica being oh it's when she was taking the call as you know the person for I think the the company was called the care or something right um uh wait for the trivia damn it yes. okay well, well I think I got it right anyway you got it you, you got nice. it you got it so she's taking the phone call and he's like so proud she's he's like you know if she were a scam artist you know she'd be really good or something like that it's like dude yeah. You're you're ahead right now. Please please stop. So so I'm with you. Yeah. Mr. Kim, he's an one ass. one nominee though, so, sorry, is Kevin yes. for uh planting the peaches and reading his chick's diary. That's a scumbag move if oh, I've ever seen one. Oh, huge scumbag move for reading for reading Dahe's diary. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus. Uh, I mean an honorable mention for me, but he doesn't touch Mr. Kim. No, definitely not. 
So, Adam, you just had a nice segue into our next category. It's who is the best scam artist? Yeah, this, I mean, you you can go a number of directions. I actually, so I started writing down the individual scams and everything that everyone has done. And I came away with one clear winner. And mine is Jessica. So she falsifies the university papers. She totally fucked with the mama in art therapy. She googled some shit and had lived it, and just that was the. That's like the the yeah. That's that takes. Um, she left her panties in the bins. <laughs> Savage move. Um, Savage. Planting the peaches was, ugh, he did that. She uh, answered the phone as you know the is the care, which we were just talking about. Right. And then going back to the peaches, she deliberately rubs them during the fight all over the housekeeper. <laughs> I was like, I mean, wouldn't you in that situation? Uh, I don't know. I, an allergy crosses the line for me. It was, <laughs> Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. I was pretty uncomfortable because I didn't think she had it in her to deliberately try to, cause someone physically harm physical harm so i mean i mean the maid and her husband were threatening to you know i mean they had the 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 kim's lives at stake they had to get out of there got to do what you got to do yeah that but i yeah (laughs) I, i agree i agree with i agree with you for jessica and for all the reasons you said i don't need to repeat any but one i one thing i will say that separates her from the crowd you know, Mr. Kim in the past had been uh, a driver. He was a valet driver and a bus driver. Kevin, even though he, he was never really a tutor, he's very smart and, and can speak English. Their mother, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Kim, you know, she's shown that she can take care of a home. So they've all, those three have at least had some sort of experience in the thing that they're finagling their way to be hired for. Jessica, zero expertise or experience as an art therapist she's a graphic designer yeah so i i mean just that alone the way she and as you said she completely bullshits mrs park and mrs park is so naive and believes it but the way she does it is so conniving she wins she's, she's the scam she's artist good. i mean movie. mrs park eats it up i mean that is a hell she of a performance it. by jessica it's great it's great so Let's switch gears a little bit here. If the movie was placed in the eyes of a different character, who are you taking? And then describe the plot. Sure. So I have Mr. Kim. Um, he's been poor his whole life. Since he was a young boy growing up on a farm outside of Seoul, he would occasionally be able to watch some television at his cousin's house who lived in the city in Seoul and every time he would watch TV, he would see men in suits working in skyscrapers and living in these big, beautiful homes. And since then, he, he made it a goal to become rich and successful. But as we see from the beginning of the film, that clearly didn't work out. Years later, Mr. Kim has a family of his own. And he and his wife struggle to find consistent work. They live in a dirty basement apartment in Seoul's underbelly. But when Mr. Kim's son gets a tutoring job 
and comes back from his first day with a bright idea, Mr. Kim regains hope that his childhood dream may become a reality. Okay. I mean, it's still a complete dickwad, but I I yeah. like it. It is... Who do you have? Well, actually, as you were talking about Mr. Kim, I was thinking about one more reason why he's the biggest asshole. <laughs> and sure. when they're at like the buffet and he's like, eat up. And oh, take take it all, eat, eat as much you can while we're here. Yeah, and, and then his wife was like, "It's his fucking money, so he's the one who's basically yeah. paying for dinner, dude. Chill out." What a you fucking didn't do jack shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, but it just that popped scum into my head there. So uh, I did not take Mr. Kim for another character. Mine is placed in the eyes of Da Song, and. Nice. It's essentially what happens, but he sees you know this man in, in his house, and he he freaks out. But everyone, his his family, his parents, everyone, they write it off as if you know he just saw you know quote unquote a ghost. And so, Da Song has to basically live his child entire childhood questioning what he's very confident he did see. But he he struggles with it, and he really has the pain every each and every birthday celebration that that comes by. So, you know, he insists that the ghost was real. Still, nobody believes him uh, until one day where the ghost, who's actually a real human being, comes out from the basement, murders a chick, and now the secret is out. So it's it's kind of like a harsh reality for everyone else not named Da Song there. Yeah, I like it. It's it sounds like one of those movies where the protagonist is not insane, but everyone around them thinks that they are insane. Mm-hmm. And those movies drive me crazy because you're just like you just want so bad for everyone else to believe that person, and they don't. Sounds like one of those. That things. is really good. Directed by directed by Christopher Nolan, probably. But yeah. <laughs> a big fan of that. Probably. Well, I love it. Well, moving on, Adam. We got some trivia to do. Give me one of your give me your first trivia question and then I'll and then I'll give you mine. The first one I think we might have gotten into already, but what year is Die in um in high school or what grade? I believe she's a sophomore. That's correct. She's 16, nice. so she, she was only 16. Yeah, so let's go. <laughs> um, wait, was that who were you impersonating there? Was that Michael? King? It, it, it was, but it wasn't. Actually, fun fact: he never actually says that in a movie, but Steve Coogan does a great impersonation of him saying that. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, you recently sent me the Steve Coogan Michael King. It's, it's unbelievable. Really yeah. Yeah, that was great. Um, my first question for you, and I'm actually starting with a difficult one. Um, according to Kevin's fake resume slash college degree, what university did he attend? Oxford. Uh, it is not Oxford. No? Oh, I was so sure of it. What is it? Because there's that quote that Mr. Kim says, like, oh, does Oxford give a for, like, that's why. You know, scheming. But 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 you see when Jessica is designing the resume or the or the, the degree, it says a specific university on there. Oh, I have no idea. 
It's uh, Yonsei University, Y O N S E I. It's it's a university in in Korea. Damn. Okay. Yeah. That that was a tough first oh. one there, man. Yeah. Start starting off hard. Okay. So my next one is where did Jessica apparently study art? Gotta love those Redbirds, baby. <laughs> Illinois State University. Let's go. <laughs> Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. I love it. Oh, uh, what a random shout out in the movie. I know. <laughs> I know. So wild. I've never heard, even heard Illinois State University be mentioned in any movie, let alone a South Korean, Korean. <laughs> yeah. film. Like, yeah, a South Korean film. I just, yeah. Oh, that's great. What does the maid apparently have? What illness does she have, according to Mr. Kim? Tuberculosis. TB. Correct. Yeah. Yep, TB. TB, baby. Right, TB. Back on the board. It's going to get a little harder for you, Brett. I got two more. All right. What Bring month up. did they take the camping trip in? Hmm. Hmm. Say August. It's June. Uh, Ooh, they when when did they say that? They mentioned that I think. Uh, I think it's when they come home from the trip. I think maybe Mrs. Park mentions it when she's talking about the rain. Um, but at some point there, they they sprinkle on the fact that it's June. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. Completely different there. I was wrong. Well, it is June. You're still wrong. But uh, it's okay. been... <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I got my hopes up. For it's bit. actually in the basement when uh, they the housekeeper asks her husband how long he's been down there. And he's like three years, so and so months and so many days. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's June. And so that's how... And that was the same night when they came home. So that's how I knew it was June. Oh, wow. Great attention to detail there, Adam. I'm impressed by that one. Nice. I finally got you one. Okay. Hey, you got me. So I have a couple more here for you. Uh, I We already brought this up, but what's the name of the fake company that provides the cleaning service? The Care. The make? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Here's my last one for you. What nationality... Okay are the new homeowners, the ones after the parks. German. Nice. Oh, yep. that was ice in your veins love there. It. Way to deliver that. Well, I love the quote from Mr. Kim at the end when he's like, Germans don't only eat beer and sausage. They might have totally funkeld as well. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Totally Funkeld. <laughs> All right. Well, well, now we have to put the Totally Funkeld ad in this category when we dive into the when we dive into the break. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I have two questions left here for you. Uh, this one's a little tough. So, the parks have three dogs. Name one of them. Like. Fozzie? Nope. No. It does st- one of them does start with an F. Oh man. Like f- f- Foo 
Fushi or something? You're close. <laughs> You're very close. Fuzi? Um Fuki? No. <laughs> what is it? Fufu. Oh no, God. Oh. <laughs> and the other two are uh, Zuni and Barry. <laughs> Barry? <laughs> with an E, not an A, unfortunately. It would have been better if it was with an A. <laughs> Just Barry. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Here's Zuni, Fufu, and Barry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final question here for you, Adam. How long was Kevin in a coma for at the end? Hmm. This one I'm going to pull right out of my ass. Four months. One month. Ah. He, he He has a line when it shows him in the hospital. He says something like, uh, I opened my eyes for the first time in a month. Okay. Good. I love I love that scene. The the detective's reading him as Miranda writes and he's just cracking up and he's like, Do I have to do it again? <laughs> the Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that that actually is a really scene. And then the doctor's like, Oh, this is common Com- with coma patients. They often can't stop laughing when they wake up. And then it's a powerful I'm I'm surprised we didn't mention this, but it's powerful when he does well, he continues to laugh when he's sees Jessica. Uh, her her memorial or whatever um, yeah yeah but then i guess a trivia question when's the only time he doesn't laugh he mentioned that there's there's one time he couldn't laugh it's like an impromptu trivia hmm. oh that's a good question um the only time he doesn't laugh he says it as part of his like monologue. Um, I have no idea. I believe it's when he's reading his dad's note or his letter. Like he's like, this is the only time I couldn't laugh. Yeah. When I read this. Letter. Yeah. He said he even laughed Damn. when he saw Jessica. Nice. Yeah. We might have to fact check that one, but uh, still an interesting question. I'll give it to you. I, I trust you. I I, I trust you. I'll, I'll give it to you. I love it. Okay. Well, then let's take a quick break and then come back for our last segment then. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Todlich Funkeld, Germany's premier sparkling water brand. Sick and tired of traditional sparkling water flavors like lime, lemon, berry, or tangerine? And at the same time, have you always wanted to travel to Germany and eat their most beloved dishes? With Todlink Funkeld, you get the best of both worlds. Order now and you'll receive a three 30-packs of Todlink Funkeld's famous bratwurst, schnitzel, and Konigsberger Klubse flavored sparkling waters. You can order online at tfunkeld.com and use the promo code BUTTERLESS, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-LESS, the name of this podcast, for a discount. Order now for your trip to Germany through a can of sparkling water with Todlink Funkelt. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. We're talking Parasite, and it's time for our final segment here, and we'll start it off with the what-ifs. Brett, give me one good what-if scenario here. I have a great one, I think. 
what if Kevin, Jessica, and Mr. Kim don't fall down the steps in the basement when Mrs. Kim is essentially interrogating the maid and her husband? Whoa, that is a great one. I mean, their cover wouldn't be blown at that point. Right. Would The question is, would the maid and her husband find out about them in another scene in a few more minutes? Or, or do they never blow their cover? And then if they don't blow their cover, does Mrs. Kim call the police like she says she's about to? That is loaded. I... Yeah. I would say Mrs. Kim would probably try to call the police, but I mean, it's two against one there. So potentially Mrs. Kim is killed. Uh or or she's Woo! being attacked and then the family that. does come down to save. So I think I think actually it does unfold in a similar way but it's a little bit more of a fight to get to to get to that point that's i didn't even consider the fact that mrs kim would be in danger because it's two against one what do you think that's you think she calls the point. police and gets them out of there i was going to say yeah that she probably calls the police and the police come but that'd be too easy call the police too easy yeah Call the police. This will be a hoot. Is that is that from something? Yeah. Is call is that call police. Like, say it again. This will be a hoot. Call the police. I have no idea. It's Ferris Bueller. It's it's when <laughs> Abe Froman. Oh, is it? Oh, is it Abe Froman? Oh. <laughs> oh man. Fucking a. Man, you've been struggling with Damn, the. Oh for two. Oh for two on movies I love. Damn. Yeah, the the intrapodcast movie quotes have been challenging for you, so hopefully you pick it up. The I, I did get the Along Came Polly though. Earlier oh, you did, you did. That was a good reference. Good job. So, I my what if is a little it's a little quirky, but what if the pizza generation? What if they just paid a better salary? Like, I guess the question is like. <laughs> No, I mean, like the question is like, would it be enough to give the family hope as opposed to this like maniacal plan that they have drummed up really starting with Kevin, you know, if he were to get paid more, would it potentially lead to a path down towards like, you know, university, like you mentioned, or does it still end up with them wanting more and basically taking over the park family? It depends. How much are we talking here with them getting paid? Are we saying like a an eighty percent boost in what they're currently getting paid, or like a ten percent boost in what they're getting paid? I mean, okay, let, let's just say they were making like let's let's just say for simplicity purposes, it was minimum wage in U.S. standards, so it's like seven and change or eight bucks or whatever. Let's say it moved up to like sure fourteen bucks. Sure. I, um. I would say maybe if they were able to live in a nicer home from it, that if they were able to have more more material possessions from it. But if they're still in their current situation, even if they're getting paid a little more, 
I, I don't think anything changes. I think they're still still too hungry. Yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah. And also again, it's it's these they are kind of shitty people. So you know, the money may not necessarily change how selfish they all are. That's fair. They they always want more. They want that nice house. They want that Cadillac. <laughs> they want uh I think that calls for a toast. Yeah, no, they want they want it all. So, yeah, I feel well, that too. What was that? You're you're like dropping these bombs. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know where it came out. My son just bought me a Cadillac. I think that calls for oh. a toast. Oh, oh, let's catch yeah. you if you can. My son just bought me a Cadillac. I think this calls for a toast. That's not how he says it, but that was my best. Uh, it's not bad. Of Chris Walken. Not bad. Because it's all about the little surges in his voice. But then he lowers it like this. <laughs> he lowers it like this. But then he rises occasionally. <laughs> and the voice is so sporadic, like Christopher Walken. Sailor. Good man. A sailor. <laughs> Oh, man. Chris Walken impressions during the Parasite Pod. Gotta love it. Adam, question for you. If you could redo Parasite in a different genre, what would you choose? I'm doing a crime slash gangster film. And the the way it kind of is structured is you've got two mob families that fight for dominance in Korea. So you've got like the Parks and the Kim, those two families. And I love it already. Mr. Kim is like he's the head. He's he's the head boss of of the Kim family obviously and he plans the ultimate attack by planting someone to get very close to the parks to get intel. And Oof. so it's it's one to get intel but also it's to make Mr. Park realize it and then start to doubt anyone around it so it's like a, it's a rat and so he knows there's a there's a fucking rat and so he's trying rat. to is it matt damon <laughs> yeah it's matt damon <laughs> that's what i was thinking of when i was thinking of this it's great <laughs> so so yeah he park doesn't know who he could trust but then finally mr park is able to zero in on who it is and it's the art therapy teacher jessica and because of that Mr. Park decides to hire a hitman and orders a hit on Jessica, which is why she is stabbed. And Mr. Kim then decides to, you know, screw it. And he takes matters into his own hands and kills Mr. Park. Oh, gruesome. Yeah. I like it. Though. I like the, the two families. Very mobster. I knew I knew I'd get you in the mobster point there. You're you're a sucker for those films. So is it, I, I I love them. So it's like a like a South Korean take on The Godfather almost with rival families. I was thinking that and Lucky Number Slevin. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. I that's right with the with the two yeah with Ben Kingsley leading one and then who leads Morgan the other Freeman's one? the other one is Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the rabbi. Great movie. Too. Didn't we watch? Didn't we watch that when we were in? Like that house we we rented? did. I don't think people liked it. I was a little upset. 
I think I liked it. You did, but I remember I, I, I remember trying to show everyone. I, I was like, oh, dude, this is awesome. And I think you were the only one that was like, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. You'd been... <laughs> <laughs> I remember you'd been talking about Lucky Number Slevin for years. Yeah. Years. <laughs> and then we finally saw it. I don't remember everyone else hating no, it. No, I didn't though. hate it, but I was like, anyone? You know, what you guys think? This is sick, right? And they were like, yeah, no, Lu- Lucy Liu was good. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, Lucy Liu was very yeah, good in that yeah, movie. Yeah, so that was That's it. Right. But. <laughs> so for genre here, I had a really hard time with this one just because, as we said earlier, Parasite fits into so many different genres. It's a drama. It's a thriller. It's a comedy. So I had a tough time, but I'm going with a genre that uh, neither of us have said on this pod before. I'm going with a mockumentary. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I love mockumentaries. <laughs> I know. So do I. They're great. Um, so it's a mockumentary of of basically, like the movie begins with the murders at the birthday party having just happened. So it's a, it's a mockumentary of like, it's, it's, interviews with the parks and the Kims breaking down this terrible sequence of murders that happened. So the film essentially, you know, begins with, um, it's almost like a, like a 60 minutes news report or something. And and it talks about the crime happening. And then it's like all big flashback, but then, you know, there's like an interview, for example, there's an interview with Kevin and they're talking about the events that led up to the murder. And Kevin is talking about how he got this tutoring job. And then it cuts to him tutoring uh, Dahe. And then, then it cuts back to him talking about his experience tutoring her and how he's shocked the fake resume actually worked and things <laughs> like that. So uh, I, I don't have it planned out perfectly, but uh, a mockumentary centering on like, you know, the... The the park the, the the Kim and Park murders of 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 2019. I love that. And it's interviews with all that. I love it. I'm yeah. imagining uh like the old driver, and he was like being interviewed. And he's just like, <laughs> I mean, there were just panties, and in, in, <laughs> they were in my car. I mean, no one yes. saw it coming. No one saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> just, it just, it'd be great. All of those really put great. together would That's... be fantastic. I love. Yeah. Yeah. mockumentaries so much they're so funny the only thing that would be kind of tough about it is that um we wouldn't be able to have we essentially wouldn't be able to have mr kim mr park or jessica because they all died yeah, dead. so it would essentially have to be yeah i mean and though that mr kim and jessica are probably my two favorite characters in this movie. So it kind of sucked to not have them or there could, they could figure out a way to have them. And then the park, the murders at the birthday party happen afterwards. I don't know. Nice. But <laughs> yeah, but that was mine. Oh, that is a lot of fun. So Brett, we're coming down the home stretch here. This next question is a fun one. I think it's gonna be pretty easy for us though, but does parasite make the Mount Rushmore for anyone in the film? Uh, yeah, this one was very easy. I did not dive too deep into this, but 100% yes for every single actor, director, writer, cinematographer, 100% yes. I, this is only the second Bong Joon-ho film I've seen 
Snowpiercer was the first, which is also amazing. And that also stars Song Kang Ho, who plays Mr. Kim, as I said earlier. Um, yes. Yeah, yes, across the board. Uh, you know, the besides, I think Song Kang Ho is probably the most famous actor in this film. Granted, my knowledge of, of these, you know, South Korean performers is uh, very, very small. But, um, you know, Song Kang Ho was the only face I'd seen before when seeing Parasite. And so I can't comment on, on the rest of these actors. I have no idea who they are. I've never seen them before. But yes, across the board, you know, for Bong, he's had some other works like Okja and then some other films as well before. But this is the film that, as you said, put him on the map internationally. Uh, he, he, he has changed the way people view international films after this movie. So yes, absolutely for everyone. Do you disagree at all? No, I mean, I, I actually need to see Snowpiercer. I haven't yet, but, you know, even... It's so good. I, I've heard incredible things, but even once I see that, Parasite is obviously going to still be on Bong Joon-ho's list here. So, yeah, uh, no, no question about it. Yes for everybody. Very good Chris Evans performance in Snowpiercer as well. I thought you were going to really say in good. Parasite. Not... I was like, where the fuck was Chris Evans in this movie? <laughs> Oh baby, uh, no, he's he's really good in in Snowpiercer, and Ed Wood is really good in Snowpiercer too. Um, yeah, that movie's awesome and insanely violent, like gruesome. Okay, I think I could dig yeah. it. I'm so, I'm looking forward to watching that it's, one. It's a, it's a great movie. So Adam, our last question here. We always end it with this one. What is Parasite's legacy? I have three. The first one is one we just talked about, but Bong Joon-ho is a superstar after this. Yeah. Uh, just you know, pretty much sweeping the Academy Awards. Just phenomenal work. The next one I have is you know, another one that we touched on, but a foreign film winning an Oscar. This is huge. Mm-hmm. We in the beginning of the podcast we were talking about how it had never been done before and you had crouching tiger head and dragon which was which was up but you know not a serious contender 1917 was was one of the hot picks coming into the oscar night show but i mean to to come away with it because you know i think there are a lot of people agree that this movie was the best, but people were nervous because a, fo- a foreign film and international film had never actually won best picture. And so for parasite to win, it really is, is, you know, it's, it's breaking that glass ceiling or whatever you want to call it, but uh, setting up future foreign films for it. And then the last one I have, which is really going off of that, but what a win for subtitles, those things <laughs> Huge. are legit now. I'll be honest. I did not use subtitles before. So my girlfriend does. Um, I don't know why she has trouble hearing a lot of things, but she she uses subtitles on a lot of the shows anyway and turns the volume up. It's very frustrating. But I typically don't like subtitles. The only time I've seen them in a movie was Pan's Labyrinth uh, <laughs> because it's Spanish or whatever. Wonderful film. But... Um, and I, I couldn't tell you one thing about the film. I don't remember it. But the now after watching Parasite with subtitles, I feel a lot more comfortable. And I actually prefer now to watch films with subtitles because 
you know, it, it used to be the thought that it'd be distracting from the movie, but really it's one or two inches and you pick up so much more of the dialogue yeah. to where you have so much more of an appreciation for the writing that goes into it. So that's a huge win from this movie. So per that last note, actually, I, I totally a- agree with you. Um, I probably over the past like year, maybe even if that, a lot of shows and movies I watch, I, I watch them with subtitles just because there are so many moments in a movie or a TV show where you're like, what did he say? Like he kind of mumbled that. I didn't I didn't quite pick that up. Mm-hmm. And you either got to rewind or you just continue without picking that up and you don't know a part of the movie. With, yeah, with subtitles, as you said, you're able to, you know every single thing that's happening. The only thing I'll say... And it's not, it's not distracting. The only thing I will say is to not use it when watching stand-up comedy because you get the punchline before oh. <laughs> they're done covering oh, that's the setup and you're oh, like, God, God. come on. <laughs> yeah. That I haven't done, but that would be that. That sounds brutal. Yeah, it's tough. That sounds. I brutal. did it with John Mulaney once, um, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's not funny at all." And then I took him off, and I was <laughs> laughing my ass off. Oh my god, that is hilarious. Um, so I love that note, and then yeah, for me, legacy wise, basically what you said. Uh, besides being the first, the first foreign film to win Best Picture. Um, I think a lot of filmmakers are going to use this method of multiple genres in a single movie. So again, comedy, thriller, drama, Parasite has all of this. And I think a lot of filmmakers are going to pick this up and use this method in the future. Um, I do think that you know Parasite winning Best Picture and being the movie of the year opens the door for minority filmmakers to get the recognition they deserve. It's such a small percentage of these of these people who are are, are known worldwide. Um, compared to the Spielbergs and the Scorseses of the world. But Bong Joon-ho being the big name this year in movies um, and everyone around the world seeing it, I think is, is huge for the future of minority filmmakers. So It always feels good when we do have some good legacies coming out of a movie. Like Rookie of the Year, hundred percent. Rookie of the Year was the exception. That was a little tough to swallow, but every other than that, we've had bit. some good ones, and and this one's one of the most powerful ones I think coming out of our podcast. Absolutely. Well, Adam, this was awesome. I I loved rewatching this movie again. Um, it was it was great to revisit it and talk about it. And yeah, I thought this went pretty smoothly. I know I know we were we were wondering how this one would go. I thought it was great. I think we killed it like usual. We we murdered it almost as hard as Mr. Kim murdered Mr. Park. Boom. There you go. Curtains down. <laughs> Everyone, thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care. <laughs>